Welcome back to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Peyton Flowers from the Cooperative Extension, and he is going to talk to us about taking care of our lawns during the fall, because apparently that is a thing if you didn't know it. So we're talking fall lawn renovation and winter management. So if you want to know how to have that beautiful, lush, thick grass, then definitely stay tuned. Want to become a more informed voter? Come out to our Elections Expo, happening on Thursday, September 7th, from 4 to 7 p.m. at our Board of Elections office on 410 West Franklin Boulevard, Suite 30 in Gastonia. Get your questions answered in this free, behind-the-scenes experience. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I am Dandrea Bradley, and with me today, guest host, guest co-hosting with me, I've got Gavin Stewart. Hello, everyone. Yeah, he's taking a break from being behind the camera, y'all, just to co-host with me. I feel honored and special. Yay! <laughs> and then with us, we have Peyton Flowers from our Cooperative Extension. And today, y'all, we are talking about lawn care and, and all things grass. <laughs> so, Peyton, welcome back to the show. Yeah, happy to be here. All right. So, we're talking about, you know, taking care of your lawn. We're getting in, you know, we're wrapping up the summer growing season or whatever, and now we're getting into moving it toward the fall season. What you got for us? So funny that you say growing season. Um, I think here in Gaston County, we're in a unique, well, in North Carolina in general, we're in a unique position when it comes to turf grass. Okay. Um, because we can grow pretty much every type. You can grow cool season grass. You can grow warm season grass. So like your Bermuda, the cool season being fescue, those are the two most popular grasses um, in our area. But we can't grow either of them as well as, you know, north of us with the cool season stuff and south of us with the warm season. So we're in an area that's a small section of the country called the transition zone. Gotcha. Which means if you're like most folks who want to have a green lawn through the wintertime and tall, turf type tall fescue. People like me. Yes. And you, <laughs> you said before that hey, I prefer uh, fescue over Bermuda. Um, and you're in one camp or the other, and hopefully we'll get to talk about that some, but you say growing season for fescue, it's more of a dying season. Oh, um, wow. Okay. It's hot. It's stress, stressful, um, on cool season grasses this time of year. Um, this is when we see the most instance of fungus, um, with these hot, humid temperatures. Okay. Um, because the grass is so stressed, that's why we end up, you know, you see everybody aerating their lawns in the fall or overseeding um, is to recover from that type of damage. And it is really unavoidable to a certain extent. Now, when you say fescue, are you talking about like tall fescue or like some type of like what what exactly is the fescue? What's the difference? Well, there are multiple types of fescue. So let's um, if you were growing in like dense shade, you would do fine fescue in our area. Um, that it'll still struggle with the heat, even in the shade. Um, Turf-type tall fescue mm -hmm. is what I'm referring to when I'm talking about most of the fescue yards in our area. Gotcha. Okay. There's a difference, and I need to be clear about this. This is important for any homeowner listening to this, is 
every year in the big box stores, I, I know I get on here and I talk so much junk about the big box stores every time <laughs> I'm on the podcast. Um, one, a lot of the times we see the grass seed and the fertilizer in the spring. Right. That, that tall fescue is not going to survive our summer heat um, with those young root systems that they're going to develop in the spring. That's why fall is the best time to establish. Okay. And then number two is most of the fescue that you're going to see on the shelf is going to be Kentucky 31. Yes. And that's fine if you were on a farm or if you're trying to grow pasture grass or you need an area that you're just going to keep, you know, mowing and not, not worry about. But if you want, you know, high quality um, turf grass for your kids or your dogs to be able to play in, um, turf type tall fescue has been bred to, to not be as clumpy and as, as, as rough of, of a surface. So in, in our home lawns, we really want turf type tall fescue. So I know it's cheaper and grass seed is expensive, but you're going to have a higher quality lawn if you, if you decide to go fescue, if you do the turf type tall fescues. You know, you look in these, in, in the, you know, developments that are being built right now, and they're planting um, like Bermuda grass. Now, is Bermuda ideal for family lawns or no? Because it sounds like if you want that nice plush carpety type, which is what I like. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want your grass a little bit higher, then you usually go with the fescue. If you okay. like an the issue is most people growing the turf type tall fescues are scalping it. And that's stressing that grass even more. It likes to be probably at its lowest three and a half inches on the fescue. When Bermuda, if you like that nice short look, you can keep it at an inch, um, which is sometimes easier said than done with how hilly and bumpy some of our yards are. Right. Um, but Bermuda, um, it does great during the summertime. Oh, yeah, it's very green, but that winter, that cold hits. Oh, And it turns brown. And yes. it was like, oh, my, it's, it's not dead. It's dormant. Mm-hmm. And there are solutions for that, like overseeding into it, or my favorite option is painting it um, green. I've seen people do that. And I've experimented with that some just to kind of showcase, you know, that that is a viable option. Um, and I understand everybody, you can't overseed cool season grass like perennial ryegrass into, into Bermuda, and it does fine. But sometimes you have issues with that Bermuda transitioning from winter into summer. Um, because the, the root system of, of the ryegrass is, it doesn't play well with others, gotcha. um, all, always, or you're having to use herbicides to spray it, spray that ryegrass out. And that kind of slows the Bermuda down too. Um, that being said, uh, Bermuda grass is going to use less water, which is important this time of year when we talk about irrigation requirements. Okay. And Bermuda grass is tough. It spreads. It needs probably less maintenance in the long term as far as your inputs. The issue is, is that it's difficult to find Bermuda grass seed on the shelf. That's, you know, it's just, a f- there's a handful of common Bermuda types that you really see on, on, on the shelf at, at most of our local stores where you can buy seed. Those box stores you love so much. Yes. And I mean, you can order it online, of course. And we have come to us at Extension, the Cooperative Extension. We can give you recommendations if you're wanting to seed Bermuda grass. But you're going to see the higher quality Bermuda grass types be sod types. And there's kind of a barrier to entry where I seeded Bermuda grass in my yard because I can't afford to sod 
such large acreage. So when right. we're talking big acreage too, sod and plugging and sprigging can become pretty expensive pretty quick. So seed seeding seems like the most viable option. And see, growing up, okay, so full transparency, I thought grass was grass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't realize there were different types of grass. And um, this has been like years ago, probably almost 10 years at this point. But my husband and I had this area in our yard that was like just this bald spot. So we just went and bought grass seed to put in there thinking grass is grass, you know. I mean, it grew, but it grew differently than what was already there, if that makes sense. So we we learned that our yard at the time where we lived before had Bermuda grass and what we planted was like a type of fescue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and honestly, you bring up a good point. Um, if you're seeing bald spots or areas that where it doesn't seem like the turf grass is growing well, there's probably a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, um, I, t- I told you before we started this that there's always, you know, I'm doing something the day before or encounter something the day before that is relevant to the podcast. And this gentleman, um, I usually don't make residential calls, um, right. but he spent an, a lot of money on his lawn, more than I feel comfortable saying on the podcast. Okay. And um, irrigation system you know, brought in a bunch of, you know, topsoil and tried to level things off. So he spent thousands. Yes, it Mm -hmm. was, it was high. Um, So I went out and uh, took a look and it didn't take me but two seconds. He's trying to grow fescue underneath trees and our turf grass does not play well with tree roots. Um, So, I mean, you're competing as soon as those roots establish, they're competing with those feeder roots for nutrients and water. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was very evident. I should have took a picture because it was the perfect circle right around the canopy of those trees where you could see where that root system was just out competing that turf grass. Wow. So think about when you, um, and I, I'm, it's a call we get every year. So how do I get grass to grow underneath my trees? Don't. So those are the candidate areas for a naturalized area where you would mulch it and maybe do some shade perennials underneath it and make it look nice um, mm-hmm. and leave the turf, which likes at least six hours of sun, no matter what right. turf grass it is, mm-hmm. um, to those sunnier areas in, in your in your yard. Gotcha. So what other types of turf grasses are there? So you've mentioned the fescue. What other types are there? Because I'm quite interested. Well, um, if you're crazy enough to irrigate through the summertime, and don't mind the overseeding. You can potentially grow Kentucky bluegrass here. Um, it's really not going to like our summers, though. Um, yeah, I know. It's a cool weather grass, right? Because yeah. I kind of did some research on grasses after the whole bald spot incident. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, Kentucky bluegrass, I would love. But reading about it, it's like, yeah, that that would be a whole struggle. And so, I'm not about that life. <laughs> yeah. And a, and a warm season grass that could probably handle a little bit more shade um, still needs, you know, at least probably about six hours of sun is zoysia grass. Um, and that's becoming more popular in our area as well. Say um, that again. Zoysia. Zoysia. Um, Interesting. Okay. Out east. Um, this is where I get into unfamiliar territory with, you know, my recommendations. Um, St. Augustine. And back in the 90s, centipede grass was used here a lot, but it just kind of didn't survive. The, it's supposed to be the poor man's grass. 
Um, oh. You don't use a lot of um, fertilizer. The less you do to it, the better it performs, which sounds great. But our winters um, can tend to be pretty tough on it. And uh, we've realized that some diseases and other issues were kind of pushed it out of the yard and the Bermuda just kind of took over. So that's why I'm so high on Bermuda because this wood naturally competes well in our area. Gotcha. Um, so if you, if you want less inputs and you don't want to struggle to grow grass, Bermuda tends to be the best option. I've never even heard of centipede grass. Have I have you not ever either. heard of it? Nope. <laughs> I guess my question is, um, especially for those who are new to maintaining their lawns, what's the best way to go about figuring out what you need to do in order to bring new grass in. So say you've, you're like my yard in the front, it's probably all one, but then in the back, I think I've got a mix of clover and then there's some like crabgrass looking stuff. I mean, I don't know. So if I wanted to make that all one and you know, how would I go about, you know, sodding versus just seeding? You know what I mean? Like, how do I make that decision? Pretty, pretty simple. It, um, and I walk a lot of people through this decision each year. Um, it's basically, what are your goals? Like, if you're okay with the clover, mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who are fine with that yeah. because they want to support pollinators and they don't want to do a whole lot of, you know, weed spraying. Right. Perfect. And, but if you say, I want one thing, I don't want the clover, I want grass. Um, the first thing is to think about how much sunlight you're getting in that space. Say it's full sun. Okay. Now we know we can grow the two most pot. We can grow fescue we can grow bermuda do you want it to be green year round or are you fine with it being vigorous and growing in the summertime mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i want it to be green year round most people do yeah. um so we choose turf type tall fescue we're going to buy a blue tag certified seed that is going to be certified turf type tall fescue seed that is weed free so Every bag of grass seed that you see is going to have a percentage of weed seed that's in that bag mm -hmm. on the right. tag. Mm -hmm. You want that to be zero because we have nightmares um, that pop up every year because somebody has seeded um, even that smallest percentage and those weeds start to populate in that yard and they can be tough to, tough to deal with. Um, once you do that, it becomes, okay, how do I spray you're going to have to make a treatment to spray out whatever's there existing. That's most likely going to be glyphosate or glufosinate that you would use to spray that out. And then you're going to, it probably wouldn't hurt. You said that you, we were talking beforehand, you said your soil is pretty rocky and pretty dense Yeah. to go ahead and aerate. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to overseed or you're going to seed in this case. A new lawn is going to be seven with turf type tall fescue is seven pounds per thousand square foot. An existing lawn that has that summer stress and you're just trying to seed some more turf type tall fescue into it, I usually recommend four to five pounds. I tend to lean on the lower side unless stress was really bad that year. Yeah. Um, then it's going to be five pounds if stress was really bad per thousand square foot. Um, so another thing with turf type tall fescue you're dealing with is the continual overseeding. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would also probably put down a fertilizer or lime, depending upon your soil test. I can make recommendations for fertilizer without that soil test, but what I can't make is that recommendation for lime. Right. Um, without first initially seeing your pH to right. make sure that, that there's a reason that clover's there. And it typically, clover's a good indicator of poor fertility. And it's also a pretty good indicator that your pH is a little low. Mm -hmm. um, so that tells me 
okay, we might need to get lime down, but without a soil test, I can't tell you how much, and I can't tell you how much, you know, fertility to actually put out. Although there is research out there, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> I'm the only one who gets excited about that kind of stuff, I think. But um, hopefully that's a, a, a good place to start. Um, you don't, you want to keep, if you are one of somebody who's going to want to use a herbicide to spray out broadleaf weeds or grassy weeds, you're going to want to keep those off that turf grass um, until at least four or five mowings right? Um, because that, that grass needs to get established and, and really needs to establish those roots before you put anything that could potentially stress it um, any further. Cool. Yeah. I feel like it, it's hard for some, sometimes people to go through the step-by-step step and I, obviously, like you said, it depends on yeah. what your goals are, what your guard looks like too. I mean, I, I, and how big it is. I, obviously there's going to be, uh, I think another for me is there's a, there's a fence going all the way around too. So that adds shade. Um, it's a wooden fence. So that's, you know, if that wasn't there, then perhaps sunlight would get to some of that grass a little sooner. So anyways, um, that's cool. So for people who have like a lot of shade in their yard, you know, their yard doesn't get full sun and they want, a, you know, they want to have a nice lawn. What can they do? Like, are there grasses that don't require full sun, like maybe partial sun? Once again, it depends on the uh, amount of sunlight that you're getting, especially during, you know, the spring and the summer. Uh, I worked with a gentleman, once again, I don't do many residential calls because it's not really my area of expertise, but I went out and he had an interesting area up on top of um, Crowder's Mountain. And it stays cooler up there. He gets enough shade to where we tried some shade mixes, which is going to have a little fescue in it. Turf type tall fescue can tolerate some shade. Going to have fine fescue in it. Maybe a little bit of perennial ryegrass or annual ryegrass in those blends. And maybe even, um, you know, two or three different types of that fine fescue. Okay. Um, so there are shade, we call them um, mixes. Once, when there's multiple types of seed, they're blends if they have, you know, only one type but different varieties. And that's another mm -hmm. thing. When you're looking at that seed tag and you're going with just fescue, turf-type tall fescue, you want three different varieties in that, that blend. Hmm. And the reason behind that is because, you know, for some reason one of those cultivars is not as vigorous in our area. Mm -hmm. Those other two kind of make up for, make up for it. For that okay cool you learn something new every day yeah i'm my mind's uh very open now <laughs> yeah, my mind is totally blown <laughs> yeah and i think the soil test is important um and that's something that i i as a citizen like i've never and a resident of gaston county i've never thought to test my soil and i think growing up like we back in the i don't know i, th I think my dad has always sort of been into trees, so we didn't worry about the lawn as much, but we had so much cover. We really enjoyed it. Um, but I remember one time we had a fire in our backyard and it burned down some buildings, but it also completely destroyed our lawn, like on the backside. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember reseeding that, but it was, I couldn't tell you what we planted, though by the next summer, it was like, it was the best that it had ever looked. Um, and I think sometimes just putting in a little bit of effort will go a long way because it, again, we never put any effort into the grass beforehand. 
Um, so I don't know. It sounds like even for your situation, Dandrea, you said, you know, you weren't really sure that you were doing it the correct way, but it still helped. It, it did. <laughs> it, it filled in the, the bald spot. It just looked different. And so, you know, again, full transparency, I'm going to tell you what we did. We did not, like, do anything to the dirt, to the bald spot. Like, we didn't, like, what do you, rake it or anything like that. We literally just threw the seeds, like, sprinkled <laughs> the seeds in the bald spot. <laughs> I remember taking a rake. Our version of aerating was, uh, because it was just the backyard that had burned, was me, like, scraping it across it was probably like 20 or 30 yards but it really wasn't that much i don't know looking back on it it doesn't seem like a big yard but it's pretty narrow and it was very muddy for a long time i do remember that Mm because it killed everything um i believe it yeah but but not that was the best i think we could do at the time we were also like trying to move it along quicker i guess try to get it done faster but it, it came back strong and i think you're hinting on a point there being muddy um is not a lot of folks, or especially in my profession, are into turf grass, mm-hmm. and I think it is probably the most underrated plant. Um, I mean, it's not a native. The grasses that we use are not native. They're monocultures. There's a lot of negative, um, I guess, mindset about the fertilizer inputs, the pesticides that may go into having a... Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is, is that for our residents is that if you were to work with me and I could just, you know, tell you some of the cultural practices and get you, you know, thinking the right, because a lot of people don't know, mm-hmm. um, we can get your yard, um, looking probably better than 80% of the yards with limited inputs. Um, just by knowing, um, your soil test data, um, giving you a little bit of fertilizer recommendations, whether that's organic or conventional fertilizers. And, um, would get get you off on the right, at least on the right start. But turf grass serves a purpose. Okay. And th- that purpose is, one, it would be a heck of a lot hotter this summer um, if we didn't have turf grass um, providing a cooling effect. The same way trees or mm-hmm. shrubs do, um, things would be a lot muddier. You're talking right. soil erosion, right? So when we think about non-native and monocultures, we weren't here either. So if we're going to exist in this urban, suburban type environment, turf grass plays an integral role with our relationship with the environment, um, collecting dust particles, uh, making sure that um, pollutants, it traps, turf grass traps pollutants. And mm-hmm. it plays so many different roles that we don't realize that if it was removed, we'd be a whole lot hotter, a whole lot more miserable. And we wouldn't have these areas that we could enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, less less snakes in turf grass than um, unkept areas. Really? Um, so yeah, I mean it. It serves a purpose for for keeping, you know, a space. You know, does everything have to be in turf grass? Absolutely not. But having a nice lawn gives you a space for recreation. It um, ultimately helps lower your AC bill, and it's going to keep you know the soil on your property on your property, and away from eroding into our streams and lakes and ponds, whatever it may be. Nice. Very nice. So if someone is looking to improve their lawn, you know, when is the best time to start? Because right now, you know, it's August. When should they start working on their on their lawn for the fall? If you're going to do um, turf-type tall fescue, the best time to start 
is thinking about it would be now. I would pull the soil samples now. They're free if you come to our office and get a box and they're free to submit. Uh, it takes a couple of weeks to get your results back is okay. the reason I'm saying that. Um, then you have a game plan. Um, once again, these inputs do cost a little bit of money, so you can go ahead and buy things up a little bit at a, at a time. Seed, lime if you need that. Um, lime's pretty cheap, so I wouldn't be too worried about um, buying some bags of lime. But then right around September, the first of September, middle of September is when we would think about um, seeding your lawn or overseeding with top okay. fescue. Gotcha. Okay. See, I, you know, I just moved and we have like a ginormous yard, so I'm not seeding anything because there's plenty of grass, you know, look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. The, like, like you had mentioned, it, once you get into the spring cleaning mindset, you're like almost your, I don't know, you feel the the want and the need to go to the hardware store, go to the like the, the, the nursery in the box stores, but <laughs> you don't yeah. think about it too much in the fall, right? Exactly. So I don't know. There's definitely some uh, myth busting there. <laughs> I feel I, like <laughs> yeah, because I always thought like you grew everything in like spring and summer, and then everything took a break in the fall. But I'm learning more and more now that I'm you know I'm I live back out into the the country, so to speak. And, you know, my husband and I are, you know, trying to start growing our own vegetables and all kinds of stuff. So we're, we're learning more and more uh, about, you know, growing things. And I'm excited. Yeah. And once again, that's just to make sure that, you know, you can, it's not to say you can't seed and have success in the spring. It's just going to take a lot more care during the summertime if you're unirrigated. Um, you want to get those roots established. And September still gives us enough time to get enough root in the ground because the plant slows down towards December, but those roots keep going. Right. And, and that's what we want. And um, then it's not so hot in September. The deeper those roots are by summer, the more likely they're going to be able to survive this heat. Nice, nice. Or you can just grow Bermuda. <laughs> that would be my recommendation, but I understand. Very cool. So, Gavin, do you have any more questions? No, this has been great. Thank you. Yeah. So, Peyton, anything else we need to know about, you know, our lawn care maintenance for the fall? Maybe so. Depends on your goals, like I said. But <laughs> you can always stop by our office and we'll be happy to help anybody. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Peyton Flowers with the Cooperative Extension, thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to our next conversation. I can't wait to see what you bring to us next time. We'll see. Coming soon, a new exhibit at the Gaston County Museum of Art and History. But what is it? Oh, we won't tell. Stay tuned for what's next. Keep checking GastonCountyMuseum.org for the big reveal. The Savvy Citizen Podcast is a production of the Gaston County Communications Office. It is hosted by Janet Schaefer and Adam Gobb, and its senior field correspondent is Elizabeth McGee. Editor and producer is Joshua Braswell. Next week on the show, we're diving into an exciting future for Gaston Aquatics. They're talking to us a little bit about their plans for the future and a new groundbreaking ceremony that's happening later this month in Dallas.